Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us as we seek to establish Christ followers who live in obedience to God's Word and make an impact in their community and the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, Pastor Brad shares a message about what change looks like in our lives when we truly experience the resurrected Messiah. Are you ready to make an impact for Christ? The time is now. Good morning, good morning, Impact Church. How's everybody? Good? So guys, today with the little bit of time we have left, I don't have time to to speak on what I've been studying all week and preparing to share with you today. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and punt that to next week. I feel the Lord was leading me that way at the beginning of the service. So I am going to share something briefly with you, though. So today, we're going to just do something that I feel the, the Spirit of the Lord wants us to share today. And it's something that I shared briefly yesterday at a cowboy church here in Bedford County. So we're going to do that uh, right here today. And I'm going to kind of tie it in because since we're talking about life change, since we're talking about being a, a new creation in Christ, being dead to sin, raised to walk in newness of life. What makes us change? What does it? What, just think about in your own life, what causes you and I to change, to move to a different position from where we were before? Is it just somebody telling us what's about to happen? Does that make us change? Is it somebody giving us information by itself that often makes us change? Unfortunately, it's not because most times you and I don't change. We don't move until something becomes real to us. And when it becomes real, then we move. Then change happens. Think about it with your health. Do most people change something regarding their health when they just know they're supposed to? When you just watch Dr. Oz or Dr. Phil, you're like, oh, yeah, I need to do that, don't I? Or when you just go to the information of the, of the internet and you just gather all these resources, does that make you change? No, it gives you a lot of great information, but so many times people still don't change. You and I are like that, we're hard-headed, we're stubborn because it hasn't become real to us. So just the information alone so often doesn't make us change and it's sad because the information alone could be a preventative to the pain that's coming down the road if we don't right? Think about it with your health. It's oftentimes the people know they need to eat better, need to lose weight, stop smoking, whatever the case may be. Lower your blood sugar, lower your cholesterol. You know you need to do all that, but you don't do it until what happens? Until something happens and it becomes real, until the heart attack takes place, until the stroke happens till you get the new diagnosis of diabetes and then you're like oh I better do something this has to change so it's it's when your backside hits the boiling water of reality change takes place guys so often unfortunately it's like that for us spiritually because we have the information we have what we know we should do and, and what the Lord desires for us to be and how he desires for us to live and so many times because I've done it and I know you have we hear this word we hear it preached but it's just it's like words on a page to us church is just church so some we do once a week these songs we sing they're just words we sing 
but it never really becomes real to us sometimes. Why is that? We're going to see that the disciples here were kind of in the same situation. They had walked with Jesus. They had seen Jesus perform miracles. They had seen him do amazing things, but he is God in the flesh. And you would think that alone would be real to them. But still, after what we just celebrated last week with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, they were silent. They were hiding. They were scared. It hadn't really become real to them yet. So we're going to look at a passage briefly as we close today, talking about life change, and look about how the life change in these disciples, when they had an experience with the resurrected Messiah. Have you had that? Let me pray for us before we dive in. Dear Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, we thank you for, Lord, how you've just moved and what we just witnessed in life change. Lord, we praise you, we magnify you, we glorify you, Lord, for, for what you're doing, what you continue to do in and through this church and through the presentation of your word. So, Lord, as we dive in briefly on a, on a different message that you had for us today, that you knew this was coming. So, Father, I pray that you would speak and move, Lord, to your hearts and the people. Father, that we'd be changed, that we would be different, that we would not be the same as when we walked in today. Father, through your spirit, Lord, we surrender to you. And I praise you in advance for everything that you're about to do in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a copy of God's Word, you can turn to the book of John. We'll be in chapter 20 today briefly. And we know we're usually in the book of Ezra, and that's where the message was going to come out of today. But the Lord has shifted us to this. So we want to look specifically on where the disciples were one week after the resurrection and what was taking place. Because we're sitting here one week after celebrating the resurrection, are we not? So a perfect message for us today. We know that after Jesus had rose from the graves for some 40 days after his resurrection, he showed himself to some 500 people. Why did he do that? What was the significance of that first kind of initial return, if you will? Why? Well, to get complete understanding of that, we have to see the condition of the people that he showed himself to, specifically his disciples. Why would he need to come back and show himself to the disciples of all people? The people he walked with, talked with, did ministry with, they'd seen him do unbelievable things that only God can do. Why would he need to show himself to them? We'll see. Because we know that the Bible says that there's significance in the empty tomb, right? That there's power, that there's victory to be had, that there's life change, everything we've just experienced. So for the disciples, pre-crucifixion and resurrection and post-crucifixion and resurrection, was there a difference? Immediately there wasn't. And, but something happened to make a significant difference in their life. And we're going to take a look at that. If you look back through the New Testament, you know that so often the disciples misunderstood what Jesus was saying, what he was doing. He would try to teach them in parables. And so oftentimes in their humanity, they were just thinking of things on this earth, and they missed out the bigger picture of what God, through Christ, was trying to teach them. And here we see something very similar. So often they would get confused and be getting in arguments about who is the greatest and who would sit on the right or the left hand of the throne of the Father. Just trivial stuff. And so now we see, after the resurrection, the disciples are 
going to be locked in a room. I want you to think about that. Even after the resurrection, all right, there was doubt, deception taking place in their hearts. Let's read this passage in the book of John. John chapter 20. We're going to read verses 19 through 29. So we're here the same day of the resurrection. The tomb is empty. Mary has come. The angel has spoken. Jesus has appeared to her and said, hey, go tell my disciples, right? So she's gone and done that. Here we go. Now we're here, verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. When the disciples were glad, then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. That's important because you're locked in a room. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside. Eight days later, one week later, here we are, right? And Thomas with them now. Jesus came, and the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands, and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believed. Jesus talking to us right there. How many times have you and I been just like the disciples? Maybe we've had a previous experience with Jesus in our life. We know the word of God. We've been in church, but it hasn't become real to us. And so we live our lives cooped up in a locked room. We're scared to live our lives out loud for Jesus in a world going the opposite direction. We'd rather keep our faith to ourselves. That's where the disciples were at. And that's not where Jesus wanted them, and that's not where Jesus wants you. He wants us to live our life through faith. Yes, we may be persecuted. Matter of fact, we will be persecuted is what the Bible says. All those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It will be there. But the call is the same for us to be bold and live our lives for Christ out loud, not behind closed doors. So here they are still at first, at the first of this passage, the day of the resurrection. Were they out proclaiming victory of the resurrection? Knowing, hey, Jesus said he was going to do this. Whoo, he's alive. Was it, were they doing that? No. They're in a room with a door shut. And if you look at, at, at the Greek word for shut, it, it means that it's shut so nobody can come in. That means it was locked. The NIV actually uses the word locked. They were scared. They were petrified. They were in fear. There's no way they were going out there. 
and saying that they represent Jesus. Doubt and deception was at place. And even the story on the streets was that the disciples stole the body. That was the excuse the Romans were making up, right? They stole it. They moved it. Man, but if they did that, why would they be hiding? And more specifically, if they really did steal the body, we know definitively they wouldn't walk through and do what they were going to about to have to do the next few years of their life. And that's be persecuted for the faith. Nobody, nobody, nobody gives their life up for a lie. Only give it up for truth. And we'll see the disciples do that. Man, so here's doubting Thomas, right? Here's this, this picture. So they, Jesus comes, the disciples were there, but Thomas wasn't. Where was he? Who knows? Out sulking in self-pity somewhere, man, right? Maybe he just had to break away and, and, and pout on his own. I don't know. How many times have you and I missed out on seeing Jesus because we were focused on ourselves? We were soaking in self-pity in the things of this world and our circumstances, and we missed seeing Jesus because of that. Thomas did that. But Jesus knew it, and Jesus knew his heart. So Jesus had already committed, hey, it's okay. I'm coming back next week, and I'm going to show you what you want to see. So we know this picture that, that Thomas now, eight days later, is there. And we know he's, he's deemed as Doubting Thomas, right? You've heard that. Well, how dare that, that he gets that rap as Doubting Thomas? And he wasn't the only brother Doubting, was he? Everybody else in that place was Doubting, and Jesus came. But somehow he gets the rap just because he said, I'm not going to believe till I see. So Jesus comes back in that moment. And it's a beautiful picture because the same situation, one week later, Thomas is here. Jesus appears and immediately goes to Thomas. Hey, isn't that a beautiful picture that he went, he knew Thomas's heart. He knew what he needs. And he goes and says, here, here's my hands. Here's my side. Now you can believe. And Thomas's immediate response is, my Lord and my God. It just became real to Thomas. Change is about to take place because this wasn't just words on a page anymore. This just wasn't about a church service and hanging out and, and with Jesus. This was now knowing that he was Lord, he is God, and I'm going to live my life to serve him. Has Jesus revealed himself to you like that? Because he wants to. And he's here today to do it. One week after we celebrate that resurrection, he's back here today with his word, with a special word that wasn't even supposed to be preached from this pulpit today, saying, I'm here and I'm coming back. Will you touch my hands? Will you touch my side? Will you hear my word? Even though you'll never see, you're going to believe. And blessed are you that don't see and still believe. Jesus wants you to doubt no more. Thomas was now a doubter no more. So what would we see the next time Jesus shows up? He's done come twice now. Surely they're going to be on fire for the Lord and, and preaching the gospel. Well, not so fast. If you read into chapter 21 of John there, you see they're, they're out fishing. <laughs> come on, man, really? And they ain't catching no fish. And Jesus can't believe it probably. He walks up on the shore and he's like, yo, y'all catching anything out there? You know they ain't catching no fish. And he says, well, maybe you should throw the net on the other side. What? Anybody that's ever went fishing, you know that there's no difference from one side of the boat to the other, right? I mean, come on, unless you're casting, right? But they're not casting, they're throwing a net. It goes straight down to the bottom. You're talking about maybe an eight-foot-wide boat at the most. Boop, straight down. What's the difference? There is no difference. So they do it anyway. I'll tell you what the difference is. When you do stuff Jesus' way, you're going to reap fruit. If you do it your own way, you're going to come up empty. Man, as Jesus even said that, said, man, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
do it Jesus way. And there was a net full of fish. So that's what they experienced. And then one of them is like, hey, man, isn't that Jesus? Peter's like, yeah, that's Jesus. So the Bible says Peter throws on his clothes and jumps out of the boat, which is a huge problem to me. Why was Peter naked fishing? <laughs> I mean, I, if I was there, I'd be like, Pete, man, we're going to go fishing, but you got to keep some clothes on. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, he puts on his clothes and jumps out of the boat and goes to the shore with Jesus. And why did Jesus do all this? He's already come. He's come to Thomas. Now he's coming back. And we're going to see this, this picture on the shore where he reinstates Peter. Hey, it's a beautiful picture. Jesus didn't just come back to see the Thomas that acts like he's got it all together. He come back to see the hurting Thomas, the doubtful Thomas, the one that just still needed to be revealed to him. And he come back for him. He come back to, to Peter who had previously denied him in front of everybody. No, I'm not with Jesus even to the point of cursing, and then now stuck in a room, and even go, probably he's probably responsible for taking the whole group fishing anyway instead of preaching the gospel. And here they are, so he's coming back for Peter, who had messed it up as well. Aren't you glad that Jesus comes back for us even though we have messed it up and got it wrong the first time? We serve a God that wants to come back so that we can move in him and get it right. He wants to change us. He wants to raise us to walk in newness of life. Everything we just celebrated right here today. We would see this radical change in the disciples from this point forward. He would give them the great commission. Go out. I want you to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Man, it's a huge message. And now, now it was real. Because now the disciples, pre-resurrection and post-resurrection, were going to look very, very, very different. They weren't going to be hiding anymore. They weren't going to be in a locked room. They were going to be out sharing the gospel, sharing Jesus in a culture going the opposite direction. They would be persecuted for their faith. Yes, they would. Jesus even told Peter that. He said, man, you better be ready, boy. Why? Satan's asked to sift you like wheat. Oh, did Peter back down, go back in the locked room? No, because Jesus was real to him now. He had had an experience with the resurrected Messiah, and he was not going to be the same Peter anymore. How about you? Have you had an experience with the resurrected Messiah where you're changed, where you're different, and it doesn't matter what anybody says or does to you, God is going to move and use you. Are you like that? Have you had that experience? Peter did. These disciples did. So now many of them would go out, share the faith. They would be persecuted. Some of them would be killed with the sword, skinned alive, crucified. Even Peter being crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified in the same position as his Lord because he didn't feel worthy. You don't do that for a lie, guys. You do that for the truth. You don't do that when you're filled with doubt. You do that when you're filled with power and purpose and hope through a resurrected Messiah. You don't do that for a dead man. You do that for a risen Savior who is Lord. How about you? Will you stand up and will you walk in newness of life with the power and purpose in Christ? flowing through you and out of you you can't do it on your own you're only going to be able to do it through his spirit this passage even spoke to that in verse 22 where jesus breathed his spirit upon them because he knew in their flesh and their humanity they had no power to do that he needed they needed the spirit of god and even in this ezra that we've been going through where the temple needed to be rebuilt and all the things that god was calling them to do zachariah the prophet that came to him when they were dormant when they were just living life for themselves not working on the temple zachariah comes to say hey get back haggai rather say hey get back to work zachariah comes behind him and says hey what you're about to do is not going to be completed through might it's not going to be completed through power it's only going to be completed through my spirit says the lord hey everything that god has called you to do it's 
it's only going to be done through his power working through you. You may not feel you have what it takes to complete the task that the Lord has given you. You know what? You're right. You don't have it on your own. You're only going to have it through his spirit flowing through you. When you have that experience with a resurrected Messiah and he becomes real, it changes you. I'm going to tell you this. One week later, Jesus came back for one person, just for Thomas, because he wanted to be real to him. I want to tell you today, God will come and show up just for you. Will you tell the person beside you that? Say, God's going to show up just for you. God's going to show up just for you. The Bible says that he will leave the 99 and go after the one. God's going to show up just for you. But will you say yes to him like Thomas did? And will you say, my Lord and my God, I'm no longer on the throne of my life, but Jesus is living in me. What Paul said in Galatians, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. It's a beautiful picture of a new life that Christ wants you to have. Because I'm going to tell you what, you matter and you make a difference. Make no mistake. Make no mistake. You matter and you make a difference and God wants to use you to shine the light of Christ. And when you truly have that experience like the disciples did that day with the resurrected Messiah, you won't be, diff- you won't be the same anymore. You'll be different. He'll change you radically so much so that you can't be quiet anymore that you can't shut up even if people want you to shut up that you'll be ready to proclaim from the rooftops that Jesus is Lord just like we did here right here today I'm going to tell you right now Jesus went to the cross we had that message last week he shed his blood broke his body he rose from the grave three days later proving that he was God and he did all that so that you cannot you and I could have newness of life so that we could have forgiveness of our sin he was the the perfect lamb that was slain and he is the only way back to to God through a relationship with him there is no other way he claimed that in John 14 6 he went to the cross for that he went to the cross so that you and I could now have the even possibility to live out the Christian life, that we could be sanctified, that we could be set apart through the power of the Spirit in us, living out God's Word. But I'm going to tell you what he also went to the cross for. He went to the cross and he rose from the grave so that he could become real to you, that you have a resurrected, risen Savior who wants to radically change you. And when you have that experience with him, he's going to set you on fire. There's going to be a fire inside you. And he wants to give you victory and hope and purpose and power to be a witness for him no matter what the cost or the circumstances. That is how life change occurs. Bow your head and close your eyes as we close this service. I want to know if there's anybody here today and you maybe have never made a decision to make Jesus Lord of your life. If you're honest, you may say, Brad, I've heard messages before, but just like you said, man, it's nothing but it's just been words on a page to me. It's just been about going to church. Yeah, I, I believed, and maybe you even shed a, a, a couple tears at, at an altar one day, but there's never really been any change in you. You haven't experienced this total radical life change that, that we just talked about today. I'm going to ask you, if that's you, to examine yourselves, like the Bible says, and see if you're really of the faith. Because if you know that Jesus, I know, he radically changes you. He gives you a new heart, a new desire. Man, he just does. And if you haven't had that, if you haven't experienced that, maybe, just maybe, maybe, just maybe, you know about him, but you don't know him. You profess Jesus, 
but you don't possess Jesus. There's a difference. So would you possess him? Would you make him Lord of your life today? He came back, brought this message just special, I believe, for you. To come back so that you could see and know that he's real and that he wants to do something in your life. Will you give it to him today? If you never have, if you've never totally surrendered your life to Jesus right now, I'm going to lead you through a prayer that I want you to pray from your heart to God's heart. Do business with God and receive him today. And I'm going to tell you like I do every week, it's not the prayer that saves you. This isn't a magic prayer or magic words. It's about your heart, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says. It's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So... Will you speak from your heart to God's heart today and surrender your life to him? Repent of your sin and turn to him. God's going to do the work of cleaning your life up. You don't have to get it right first. Tim quoted Romans 5, 8 earlier. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Just come. God wants to do something amazing in your life. Will you receive him today? Or if you're here and you say, Brad, I've walked in and out of church doors. I even lived for Jesus at one point in my life. Man, and I was on fire for the Lord. But recently, man, that fire's grown dim. It's down to just an just a, 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 a ember of burning coals. And today, I want to get that fire relit. I want to rededicate my life to Jesus because I know he's real and he wants to do an amazing work in my life. I feel like I've been locked in a, in a room with the door shut and I went out today. Jesus is going to do something amazing in my life. If that's you, I want you to pray the same prayer and rededicate your life to him. So to, re, so to receive him for the first time or rededicate your life right now, just speak to God and say this. Just say, dear God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner and I've fallen short of your glory. And today, I recognize you as my Lord and my God, my Savior. Thank you, God, for sending your only son, Jesus, to die on the cross to sacrifice his life, the perfect, spotless lamb that died for the ransom of everybody, for my sin. Lord, that I could be forgiven, that I could be renewed, restored. And Father, thank you for raising him from the grave three days later, proving that he is God. And Lord, I want to claim that same victory right now, Lord, in my life because I need it. And Lord, my commitment to you is from this day forward that all of me is going to live for all of you because you are now Lord of my life. And I want to be restored with purpose, with hope, with power. And I want to walk out of this locked room and live for you all the days of my life. Amen. If that's you in this place and you just received Jesus, you just prayed that prayer, you made him Lord of your life, or you rededicated your life to him today, I want you to forget everybody around here just now. I want to pretend like you're the only person in this tent. It's just you and God. And if you made that commitment to receive him for the first time and rededicate, I want you right now to boldly and unashamed make a stand for Jesus and raise your hand. Say, Brad, I prayed that prayer right now to receive him for the first time and rededicate my life. Hands are up all over this place. If I don't see him, God does. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Everybody, can we give Jesus a big round of applause in this place? The Lord has moved, continues to move, and always moves. He is faithful. Hey, guys, come back next Sunday. Be ready as we uh, continue in Ezra. We're moving into chapter 7 with a message from the Lord entitled, Committed to the Word, Sold Out and Ready. Are you sold out and ready for Jesus? Hey, man, it's going to be a great, great message next week. Come back, bring a friend, grab somebody, bring them with you to church. God is moving. Thanks again for joining us today. The Lord is truly doing an amazing work, and we would love for you to be a part of it. 
Check out the show notes for links to our website and social media pages. Or if you're ever in the Lynchburg or Forest, Virginia area, please come on by and join us in making an impact for Christ. Christ.